0: That worship was really good this morning, wasn't it? Yeah, thank you, Lord. I really want to encourage people, you know, about that story in the Bible where Jesus said, "He who has been who has been forgiven much loves much." Okay, he who who's been forgiven. And I always think about that when I when I come with other believers. Is is I think about am you know am I loving much? Because I should be loving much because I've been forgiven a bunch. And uh, I just want to encourage us, that's really the heart of worship, is that God has forgiven us so much, and that's why worship is such a, it's the essence of Christianity, because it's our relationship being expressed to the Father. So yes, I do agree and uh, do believe in expressive worship, uh, because I'm a person who's been forgiven for a lot of bad things in my life, and I don't believe in just being a solemn worshiper. I, mean, I think you can be, but... Maybe you were just a solemn sinner, right? So you became a solemn lover. But I've never really met a solemn sinner. Most people who sin do it, you know, pretty vigorously and pretty out front, right? When we were unsaved, we lived our life. Hey, I want you to put your hand on one of your ears or both of them. What's important is a hearing ear, it's what Jesus. Jesus does a rep- repeated phrase in the Bible is He who has an ear to hear. Ear. He didn't say ears. Ear. Ear. Being spiritual. Father, this morning, give us a hear and ear because we don't want to just come here and not really hear what the Holy Spirit's saying to us. We thank you for the hear and ear from heaven and a heart to understand, Father. Thank you for that. That's a gift. Also, um, you know, it's no. It's no good to get up here and talk if you don't have something to say from, from the Lord, right? You know, uh, I think Paul said, if you speak, speak as the oracles of God. That's pretty scary if you think about it. Uh, so, Lord, y'all can reach your hands towards me. Uh, Lord, I pray that I would be able to say what is, is to be said. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So I'm going to read this, John 4, 1 through 8. <clears throat> this year's a year to know the Lord. Like every year is, but specifically in my life, personally, this is what I have been really intentional about this year: is to really look at my relationship with the Lord, my personal relationship with the Lord, and and do I know the Lord? Do I know the Lord? What's my relationship like with the Lord? And and so that's it's been a really good thing. Uh, it's been a good theme in my life is knowing knowing Christ and allowing Him to know me. Um. So one of the ways I've been doing that is I've been reading reading the Gospels a lot, and thinking about Jesus, and what I've discovered is, uh, you know, Lord, there's so much more to you than I really know, and I dedicated my life over 30 something years ago to knowing the Lord. That was like that's going to be my greatest goal was to know the Lord and really have a real relationship with the Lord, and sort of came to a point in my life where I realized. I, that's 30-something years, and, and I, don't think, I think I've scratched the surface, you know, in knowing the Lord. So I think God really is drawing us this morning. I love that song, man, that draw us a little deeper. I want to know you, Lord. That's really the heart of God the Father for us, is to draw us a little deeper into Him. You know, we've been given everything in Christ. We have it all, but we're not walking in it all. God is totally available to us, but we're not walking in it. And, and God wants to help us to know him. And So I wanted to read this. and It says, uh, it's John 4. Uh, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. Now, Samaria was not a place that good Jews went through. In fact, all Jews avoided Samaria because those were the people who were sort of the mixed people, the people who were were part Jewish and part, I think, actually part Iranian, I think, right? Not Iranian? Or Syrian? Yeah, there you go. Part uh, Syrian and... They got mixed, and they, they although the the Sumerians believed in the first five books of the Bible, okay, the what they called the Torah, the books of, and then the rest of it, they didn't believe in. They just, like, they didn't believe in any of that, and so they had their own version of religion, and, of course, uh, the Jews had their own version, and they was there were conflict, and as far as Jews were concerned, these were nasty people, they were bad people. You didn't even walk on the same ground that they walked on. You would avoid them. So they'd walk way miles around to avoid these people. But Jesus went right right through this place and sort of began to see some of his heart of, of how he was not uh, racist and how he did not allow the opinions of man to influence his heart towards people because he cared about these people deeply. Uh, So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, set thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour, which about noontime, it was in the middle of the day. And so Jesus was, was tired. He was sitting there. And a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Well, I can really talk to you a lot about this woman, and, but I didn't. I wanted to point out something else this morning which has really ministered to my heart recently. And it's the part where it says that Jesus was wearied from his journey, uh, obviously thirsty for water, and obviously hungry, or apparently hungry, because his disciples had went into the city to buy food. And the thought is... Uh, have we really considered the human side of Jesus, uh, the the tired side of Jesus, the thirsty side of Jesus, the hungry side of Jesus? Because, because he had this. Now the gospels really do paint a picture of Jesus as being born a little as a little baby like we all are, and growing up as a little boy, young boy, young man uh, within a family co- a context of a family with some brothers and sister, a sister, and maybe uh, was actually worked with his hands as a carpenter. A lot of people believe that's in the Bible. The Bible actually doesn't say that. They say he's the carpenter's son, so you probably believe he was a carpenter for some reason, uh, but the Bible doesn't say that's why it's important to find out what's in the Bible. Possibly he did, but there's a possibility he wasn't a carpenter. He was definitely a carpenter's son. His dad was, um, and so he grew up, and there was a community of people around Jesus, and he grew up like every little, every other young man did, as far as we understand in that day, that he grew up like all the other young men do, and was taught in the schools like all the other young men of his day. But then something happened when Jesus was baptized in water. He received the baptism in water, and that's when everything began to shift in Jesus' life. You remember the story, you know, John baptized Jesus after a discussion about, don't, you know, I, you should be baptizing me. And, you know, as coming up out of the water, the heavens were ripped open. Literally, it says the heavens were literally torn open at that moment in time. For the first time ever, the heavens were opened and to remain open, they were never closed again. And that's kind of important for us to know that we have an open heaven because Jesus opened it for us. And He He's held it open ever since. Um, So then the Father spoke to spoke. And apparently people could hear it. Uh, I think Mark and them guys say, uh, this is my beloved, you're my beloved son, whom whom I'm well pleased. Matthew actually says, the voice said, This is. Saying, I think Matthew was trying to help the people say, so that they would know that God spoke, and every people and people heard the audible voice of God at that moment. The audible voice of God was spoken over a man, and so, and then the Holy Spirit came. The Holy Spirit, like a in the form of a dove, came and settled on Jesus. Okay, and his life completely shifted that moment. The next thing that happened to him was the Holy Spirit that settled on him drove him into the wilderness. That sounds like a great Holy Spirit day. Holy Spirit's a gentleman, right? <laughs> Didn't seem so gentle at that moment. He, it, that's what the Scripture says. It drove Jesus out into the wilderness. And it says that Jesus fasted for 40 days. And after he fasted for 40 days, it says afterwards he got hungry. Which I guess that means that he was okay for 40 days. but that would have to be God, right? Not to be hungry if you're not eating for 40... After two days, I'm. hey, I couldn't hardly eat anything yesterday because my stomach wasn't feeling right, and I was just like last night, I want to eat something so bad I couldn't stand it. You know, when I'm talking about eating as a habit, is what I've always been told, and, well, it is a habit, right? Eating is a habit. If you eat a lot, it's just a habit. So if you want to lose weight, change your habits, right? Well, I have a habit of eating, and I wanted to eat even though my stomach was hurting, so I thought, I better not eat, because if I do, I might feel bad again. So anyways, I don't, I don't know why I got off on that subject, but <laughs> I'm distracted really easy. I'm gonna, I want you to get this picture of Jesus. Afterwards, you know, he faced the devil. The devil came and visited Jesus, and they had this, this battle, this argument, this discussion. The devil was trying to get him to do these things, tempt him three times, same temptations that Adam faced, the same temptations that the children of Israel faced. And they all they all dropped the ball and missed it. Jesus came and and overcame the devil and actually run the devil off. He actually ran the devil off. Said, "Get away from me now!" And the devil left because Jesus made him leave. So if the devil's bothering you, Jesus can make him leave real easy, <laughs> and he will. All you gotta do is tell him to. You know when the enemy visits you, uh, and the enemy will visit Christians. Uh, maybe not Satan himself, but. There's a lot of demons out there, and they're just as mean and ugly as... You know, there's a story about Martin Luther, and he, the devil, the devil, I mean Satan, the big guy, visited Martin Luther. This is the story. Woke him up in the middle of the night, and he looked up and saw that it was Satan standing at the foot of his bed, and the story goes like this. Oh, it's just you, and went back to sleep. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Oh, it's just you. He already knew he was dealing with a defeated foe. So that's pretty good. I'd like to be able to do that. Every time the demons visited me, I got so scared I thought I was going to die. You know, I was shaking in the bed and shivering, and you know, you know, little pimples all over my body just rising up. My hair was standing on the edge. I was grabbing Becky, Becky, protect me, please, help me. This is so it's such a great man of God here. So, once he was through the devil, it says he went into Galilee and began to preach. And he began to preach with power. Okay? And he, everybody was talking about the power that he preached. Nobody's ever spoken like this, man. And he backed all his, his words up with deeds, mighty deeds. He uh, healed blind people. And at that time in history, according to John 9, like no one had ever been healed of blindness. On the, in, of all mankind until Jesus healed, the, healed a blind man. He healed deaf people. There were people who were deaf and mute, and he healed them. And he healed, there's some places it says everybody who came to him, he healed. And in some places it said anybody who touched him, he healed. Uh, and it says that there was a little girl that was dead, and he went to the little girl's house and raised the little girl from the dead. Jairus's daughter. Y'all remember that story, Mark 5. And then there was a, a, a funeral one day of a, of a mother who had one son. That's all she had. And he just interrupted everything, stopped this mess, went over there and raised that, that boy from the dead and gave the boy back to his mother. Isn't that wonderful how he did stuff? And then he, he turned water into wine at a wedding. Isn't that amazing that he would do such a miracle? Turn water into wine. For all people who have argued whether it, was alcohol in it. Well, that's probably not the real point. It probably had lots of alcohol in it, you know, because he didn't turn it into grape juice. But that's another story, okay? It says he turned water into wine. you got to get believe what the Bible says, not what you want it to say, okay? Let's get to be people who believe what's in the Bible and quit trying to make our theology, make the Bible fit our theology. Let's let our theology fit what it says, that's the word of the Lord for people. It really is. And that means some of your theology may go out the window. I always get these thoughts about, oh, I know, I know what that means. I've got this idea of what it means, and I look it up and I'm like, oh, it don't mean that. <laughs> it's just better to believe what the Bible says, right, than what you hope it says or wish it said. A lot of Christians do that now. But that's the way we are, right? Anyways, I've got to get back to this. I'm sorry. All right, listen. So he did these wonderful miracles. He walked on water. Okay? He spoke to storms. Okay? He was divine in every sense of the word. Nobody has ever done what Jesus has done. Period. No one has ever walked on this earth and has done what this man has done. We desire to do what he's done, but nobody yet, nobody in this room has walked on water. I don't believe anybody in this room has raised anybody from the dead yet. Perhaps we will, and perhaps we'll walk on water. You know? I mean, the possibility is there if Jesus did it, right? But then, this is the thing. Then he shows up this day, sits down at a well, and he is in need. Okay? I want you to get this. He said... It said, Jesus was tired. I know that might mess with your mind. It should mess around. Jesus was tired. Jesus was thirsty. Jesus was hungry. How This man who commanded water to turn into wine, you could command a cup of water to appear before you. Yes. This man who you know fed thousands of people with a couple of pieces of bread and a few fish is hungry. Are y'all thinking about this? Th- are you thinking about here is this glorious, beautiful, powerful man who could do anything? The man who literally holds everything together in the universe, it says. Everything is held together by that man. That man is sitting down asking a woman, a woman he should not even be talking to according to cultural rules. He's saying, I am tired and I am thirsty. Can you help me? That's what he was saying. Can you help me? The Creator asking a created being, can you help me? Now when you begin to think about Jesus, I'm talking about knowing Jesus. It's amazing when we think when you think about it, why would he allow himself to be put in that position? why would he Why would he do that what's What's he trying to tell us? He wasn't just trying to tell us that I'm man and God. I mean, obviously he is. I mean, that's an important, but there's more to it. Are you all right? You know, at one time there was one man. This is crazy. There was one man, one man, one man that had 6,000 demons in him. Can you imagine that man? Y'all know that man, right? He's the Gadarenes guy the guy who ran around naked and nobody, did. and Jesus with one word delivered to him. It said he had a legion of demons, a legion, Roman legion with 6,000 soldiers. That's amazing, isn't it? That with one word, Jesus could empty a guy out of 6,000 demons at one time. We could spend a year trying to get a demon out of a person, and they'd probably pick up two or three while we're doing it. Right? <laughs> In Revelations chapter five, I'm not going to go there, but there's this story. Uh, John, John the Bat, not John the Baptist. John the uh, Beloved was in heaven, and there was this scroll. It says that came from the Father's hand, and they said somebody needs to open it. You can read it; it says it better than that. And it says nobody in heaven or on the earth. Or under the earth. I always wonder where they got the hell thing from being under the earth. When you, know, when you was growing up, hells under the ground. Remember that? That's where they had to get it from. It says nobody in heaven, nobody on the earth, and nobody under the earth. How many people remember back? I think it was back in the seventies where these people out in Siberia dug this this uh, this well, and they started hearing stuff down there. People screaming, and I remember hearing them out thinking, "Man, those people—they've opened hell up." What's going to happen? You could probably find that on YouTube. I guarantee those people who did it, they wanted to cap that thing and get out of there. They can forget that oil. I don't care about that oil. There's, there's demons down there. There's people crying out down there. I don't really know who I ever turned out on that thing, but I guarantee you I wouldn't go around it. You know, I just wouldn't do it.
1: Anyways,
0: forget that. Okay, you, I know somebody can go home and look that up on YouTube. I just know you are. You know. Anyways, this is what happened. John John was crying about it. He started crying, weeping, because the father had this thing that needed to be opened and nobody and this elder came to him. This elder in heaven said, Hey, don't worry. The line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has prevailed. That's what it says. The root of David has prevailed to open it. And then it says something amazing. It says that John, John said, I looked, and guess what he saw? He said, I saw a lamb that was as if it was slain. Now think about it a minute. The elder said, the lion, what John saw, he didn't see a lion. He saw a lamb, a lamb that looked like it had been killed. Now think about Jesus for a minute. Jesus, when he did all those miracles... It was a roar, right? It was the line of the tribe of Judah roaring over people and healing people. But Jesus, the tired, the thirsty guy, was like that little lamb of God that was weak and had need. Jesus came as a human being. He was born to the people. He, was born, he came here to minister to. He also came to them people. Those people had to take care of this little baby. His mama had to nurse him His mama had to change his his little diapers you know that that was how Jesus came to the people he came to save. He came in need of those people, okay He didn't come with all the answers he didn't come with all the success he didn't come healing everybody he came needing and when he approached this this woman who apparently. Possibly she was not a very good moral person. He didn't come after her and stand up and say, You are a sinning woman. You have have five broken marriages. And you're living with a guy right now. He didn't point his finger at her. He said, Can you help me? That's how he approached this woman. you you got to think sometimes about... What in the world has happened to Christianity? No wonder the world looks at the church and thinks something is wrong with y'all because we take our fingers, we shove it in their face. Can you imagine the young girl going into the abortion clinic and people telling her how doomed to hell she is? It don't seem like me Jesus would do something like that. Are y'all following this? Are y'all Okay. Am I being too wild? Becky's not here, so I can do whatever I want to. (laughs) See, I think God really wants to teach us about something, about Himself, about how He approaches people. Because God doesn't approach people the way we approach people. See, God's always looking into a person's heart. He's not looking at what they're doing. Heck, he knows they're doing wrong, right? I mean, everybody's doing wrong. Everybody in this room's doing wrong. I don't care if you deny it all day long. You're still doing wrong. I promise you, you are. Anyways, let me read this one thing in Luke 5, 1 through 3. I've got to hurry up. It says this. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Genesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats. Have you ever heard a message about Jesus getting into your boat? That's a good day. Well, let me just tell you about that message. I I, this is not what I'm really talking about, but I, I'm asking the Lord to get into my boat. Yeah. And this is why I'm asking the Lord to get in my boat. Because not long after he got in that boat, he almost sunk that boat with fish. After they had fished all night long and couldn't catch a thing. And see, God can cha- change your financial situation just like that. In a, in a flash, He can change it. Or your health, or the condition of your soul, or the condition of your family. That's Jesus getting in your boat. It's when He gets in it, everything can change in a flash. And that's what we really need is we need Jesus in the boat. Lord, you need to get in the boat and fix everything for me. Okay, well, that's the story of that message. I think it's a great story. But So he got in that one of the boats, which was Simon's, still Simon at that time. That's Peter, by the way. And asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitude from the boat. It's the same thing. Okay, he asked him to push a little from the land. Now, this is not a little bitty tiny lake. It's not a silky smooth lake. This is a lake that has movement in it constantly. So what Jesus was doing, this is important for us to see. See, it's the same thing he did with that woman. He was saying to Peter, listen, can you help me do this? Okay? Because I can't stand on I can't stand on the shore and preach I'm gonna get pushed in the water. I need to get out here away I, and I need a place and I need somebody to help me do this. I need somebody to get I need to get in this boat and I need you to hold this boat still for me. I don't need this boat to be swashing back and forth. I need somebody to better if the oars kind of gently guiding it and kinda of keeping it stable so I can talk to these people and tell them something. And what happened was with Peter is that's after this situation, Peter Peter's life turned. He became a follower of Christ after that moment. Okay? Same thing with the woman at the well. After Jesus approached her like that, and they had this big discussion, some stuff went on. But she went, and she became the first woman preacher in the Bible, in the New Testament. She was the first person who ever preached the gospel, the, the woman at the well. After Jesus approached her, because Je- here's what Jesus always wants to do with people. Jesus always wants to give people dignity. Okay, he wants to protect people's dignity. He wants to make people feel like they're important. Okay, that they have something to bring to the table. Sure, he could have he could have got water out of that well. You know, he could have said, hey, I'm going to use your butter. Hey, I'm going to just go stand out here on the water. That would be even better. Everybody will listen to what i got to say then. But he chose not to do that. He chose to humble himself to being a man and saying to these people, listen, I need your help to do what I'm doing. Okay? I need your help. Now let me read one more scripture, and then I'm going to try to help you see this. Are you all following this? This is the first mission trip in the Bible, Mark 6, 8 through 9. It says he commanded them, this is the, the twelve when he sent them out. This is the first time Jesus ever sent any person on a mission besides himself. He when he sent them out. He commanded them to listen to this, take nothing for the journey. Take nothing. Matthew, Moran, Ryan, don't, don't take a thing. I mean, I don't care if you starve to death in the in the airport. Don't don't take nothing. I mean that's basically what he was saying. Don't take nothing. Okay, no bag, no bread, no money in your money belts, nothing. Just wear your sandals and don't even take a change of clothes. Now, have you ever thought about, what in the world is that about, Lord? Are you kidding me? Have you ever thought about that, why he would say such a ridiculous thing? I mean, to me, that's the first time I realized, are you kidding me? You're down to telling people little details? Here's what it was. Here's what it was. And this is where I think we miss it. See, he wanted them people to go. You need to go, and you need to go in need. Because you're carrying something. You're carrying something supernatural. But you need to go to those people that that need the supernatural power of God, that need a touch from heaven. But you don't need to come in there like the man of God with all the answers. I'm the successful guy. I've got the answers for you. Okay? And I'm going to give... Do something special for you, because I got something special. Now he was saying, no, you go in there humble. You go in there in need, because that's how I approach people. I didn't approach people arrogantly. I approach people humbly. And I, I approach people as a human being, not just as a son of God. And I let them know, I have needs just like you have needs. I've walked on this road just like you've walked I've been thirsty the way you've been thirsty. I've hurt the way you've hurt. My heart's been crushed over things the way your heart's been crushed over things. Are y'all following this? And I think that's really a hard lesson to learn. It really is a hard lesson to learn. Because nobody likes to be in need there ain't a soul in this room that really likes to be weak. Yeah, I don't know if y'all remember. Well, let me just tell you this before I get there. I'm, I'm going to be finished. Um, a few years ago, I had this vision, and here's what the vision. I saw the Lord's feet. I knew it was His feet, and He said, "Kiss my feet." The problem with the feet that he was saying kiss they were normal human being looking feet. In other words, they want those feet that John describes in Revelation that look like they were fine brass feet. That's what it says his feet look like now. Fine brass. which Whatever fine brass looks like, it looks nice, right? It was old, ugly, veiny, bony, callous-toed feet. And he told me in this vision, kiss my feet. And I was saying, I'm not kissing those feet. Well, I'm going to kiss those feet. He said, Byron, if you don't kiss my feet like that, you'll never kiss those ones in Revelation 1. You'll never kiss those. And I began to get this thought in my mind from that day is that somehow we have to embrace this needy side of Jesus. We have got to be able to embrace Jesus in His humanness if we're going to really embrace Jesus in His supernatural self. You, you hear what I'm telling you? Y'all ain't really liking this, I know, because y'all want to just be the victorious people, the overcoming people. I don't think we're ever going to be the victorious, overcoming people until we embrace this man, this human man, Jesus, and we begin to we begin to walk in the need that He walked in. Now, if y'all will remember... Randall Worley when he was here a couple of months well it was March the tenth he was here, which was about a month ago. That he had a message, and one of the things he said is uh, well the name of his message was healing our image of God and of ourselves, healing our image of God and our image of ourselves, which I thought was was very interesting. You should go back and listen to the message it 's really powerful, but Randall brought up something. Uh, Called ego. Do you remember that? Ego. E G O. E stands for edging. G stands for God. O stands for out. That's what ego is. It's edging God out. All right. So I was uh, thinking about uh, Dean's book. I was re- you know I went back and reread his book again. I recommend the book to you if you haven't gotten it. Part of his uh, the book he talks he gives testimonies about. Losing everything, being stripped down, going bankrupt, being humiliated. And part of what he was talking about in the book was what other people were thinking about him when he was at this low point, right? And I was amazed when I was thinking, I was reading it because I was knowing Dean when he was going through some of that. And I thought, "You, you thought people were thinking that? Are you kidding me? Nobody was thinking that about you, Dean. Nobody was thinking down on you when you were down. When you went from making X hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to asking the church for help. I don't know if he put that in the book or not. <laughs> Can you help me? I was making 300000 a year. Now I'm asking for help. That's a bad day, right? <laughs> Chuck says it's a good day. <laughs> One time I was invited to go to this church and speak. And it was a big meeting. And a friend of mine introduces me. He's up there saying all this stuff. And the more he talked, the more dread came on me. Because he was saying all this wonderful, you know, the high points of your life. You know the, your your greatest achievements, and I'm thinking, I can't live up to any of this. They, I thought I wish I wasn't doing this, because now all these people are going to be expecting me to live up to my highest moments, and I'm scraping the bottom of the barrel right now. I don't want to do this. You know your times when your reputation exceeds your anointing, kind of moment. Anybody ever had that? Or your Somebody, I know God used you to heal. Do this, and you're thinking, really? Maybe He did, but it was an accident. <laughs> I just happened to be there, right? I don't. I know. I don't know if y'all think that way, but I do. Like I, I did that. Really? I, I. I guess I did. I was. I was doing. All, I was thinking, Oh God, please help me. I can't do this because I can't live up to this expectation, Lord. And I realize something about me, and I realize something about every one of us human beings, because I hear people all the time thinking, "Well, people, this is what they're going to they There, I go again. I'm all messed up. So we have a hard time being low because it's, we have a hard time being in need in our life because, and we'll never be successful. Same people. You can't. Some people can't take success. Some people can't take being in need. They can't take either one of them. Okay. Are y'all following what I'm saying? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You can't stand either one of them. Too humiliated to be in need. Too worried about what everybody else is gonna be thinking about you. You see, Jesus never cared what anybody thought. Oh, I thought, I thought you were the son of God. I thought how could the son of God be thirsty? How could the son of God need to eat? How could the son of God need anybody's help? Hey, you walked on water. Why do you need my boat? There's, there's something wrong with this picture. And see, what we begin to do is we get this thing in us where we are afraid of being in need. We are afraid of our human selves, our human weaknesses. Are you all following this? Because God wants to liberate us. Let me tell you, this uh, ego, that's insecurity. All right, let me just tell you this. Here's what happened to me. I, I felt... In the last year, I felt like God was stripping me naked. That's the way it felt to me. I felt like God was taking, taking everything away from me, and I felt like I wasn't doing anything right. I felt like everything I did was wrong. I felt like everything I said was wrong. I felt like I was just—I feel like a failure. And I begin, you know, when God begins to strip you, He begins to take things away. You begin to really see what's in you, right? If you've been stripped, you'll know. You start seeing what's in you. And I begin to see what was in me. And I begin to think, you know what? I I have been a terrible husband to Becky. I have failed her so many times. And my kids, I'm surprised my kids will even speak to me. Because I have been the biggest jerk to them. And my goodness, Lord, I don't even know why I'm in the ministry, Lord. I'm a failure. I'm I'm failing at everything I do. And the biggest failure I have in my life, Lord, it's almost 35 years ago, I made a commitment to you that I was going to have a real relationship with you. And I don't even, I feel like I've totally failed at that. I was so messed up, I even went to one of my pastors that I have and just started talking to him and just started weeping when I was talking. I was just weeping, telling him, and he was sitting there like, It's not as bad as you think. <laughs> You're going to be all right. That was his old counsel. That's not as bad as you think. That was a great counsel, right? It's not as bad as you think. You, you say it's not. You're not the one facing your, the failure of your life, of the most important things in your life, that you failed at every one of them. You all know what I'm talking about? Anybody know what it feels like to be a failure? And so I went out running one day or shortly after my pastor friend told me it wasn't as bad as I thought. And this is, and I was after I got through running, I had that runner's high going. It was feeling I was feeling good at that moment. So I was not. And I heard this thought in my mind, which I knew was the Holy Spirit. And He says, "You want to know what the root of all this is?" That's what He said to me. "You want to know what the root of all this is?" I knew what He was talking about. All my issues, because that was what was forefront in my mind. And I said, "Yeah, what is the root? You're insecure." That's all He said. You're insecure. You're not secure enough to fail, and you're not secure enough to succeed. You're just insecure. And I realized right there at that moment I was very, and I thought, I'm not not over the insecurity thing. You know, I've, I've got the Father working in my life. He's made me real secure compared to what I used to be, but he was telling me at that moment, you've still got insecurity working in your life. And you're so insecure that you're not willing to go through stuff. You're worried about what everybody else is thinking about you and looking at you and saying about you, when they probably ain't saying a word about you because they ain't thinking nothing about you. They don't give a riff about even think about you. They got their own problems. You're worried about what they're thinking about you, being all messed up. You're all beat down, and they're not even thinking about you. But if they were thinking about it, if they were thinking a bad thing about it, well, who cares? Are you no more secure in who I say you are than you're going to let worry about everybody else seeing you down in the bottom, stripped naked, hanging out for everybody to look at? Are you worried about that? Because if you're worried about that, don't ever think you'll ever get to the other side and really walk in real security. You'll never get there. That's what he told me. Let me read this one scripture. Here's what Paul says. See, Paul knew about this stuff. I'm preaching a message to tell you it's okay to be needy. It's okay to be needy. It's no shame on you to be needy. The problem we have is we don't want to face our need. Instead of facing up to our need and saying, you know what, I'm in need here. And when we begin to face that moment that you have a real need in your life, a real needs in your life, that's when you can really begin to get free because Paul said this in Philippians 4, 11 through 13. He had just talked to these people about them taking care of him. Paul, see, he lived that. He depended on other people to provide for him. And he was basically saying, other people had provided for, for me so I could come minister to you. I think one translation says, I robbed other churches to come speak to this church. That's what he was saying. Paul lived a very dependent, needy life. He needed other people. Paul did. If you think you're going to ever get to the point that you don't have needs in your life, you don't have needs of other people, you are living a delusional life because Jesus nor Paul nor Peter or nobody in the Bible and nobody since then has ever lived that life. We have to accept the fact that God says you're going to live a life and you are going to need other people. You're going to need them to help you at times. time. You're going to need them to help pick you up off the ground. And you need to quit running and hiding yourself from them and being ashamed of yourself when you have needs. I'm just telling you from experience. He said, not that I speak in regard to need. He was just telling people, like, you know, about all his needs and how somebody... For I this is what he said, for I have learned. This is what God wants us to learn. I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Whatever state... I want to be content in whatever state I find myself in. I know how to be abased. In other words, I know how to be stripped down. I know how to be at loss. I know how to be at the bottom. How many people know how to do that this morning? I tell you what, I thought I did. I thought, I guess I don't. I guess I don't. I'm too insecure to be down there. I'm too worried about what people think about me for me to be abased. Because I'm worried they'll think I'm a failure. I'm just telling you how I feel now. And I know how to abound. I don't think I know how to abound yet. Yes, exactly. They both come together, they're twins. Everywhere in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. That's the Christian life. I can do, listen to this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, that's how this thing works. It's God's grace that enables us to be able to live this kind of Christian life, to be able to live in need and not act like, not be all humiliated and hiding and worrying about what... Don't tell anybody. I lost my job. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody I, I'm sick. I have so many people who want me to... Byron, please pray for me about this, but you can't tell anybody. Why? I, I'd be telling a bunch of people, get them praying for me. But what it is, it's this thing that we feel like people are going to look down on us. That's the human lot. And Paul wrote about his needs. Jesus spoke out his needs. I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. Please help me with this boat. I need help in my life. Help me. And you see, that's when we really when we begin to grow spiritually I'm not saying you gotta go in front of everybody and do all that, but you know what I'm just saying. I'm saying it's a heart thing. It's a heart attitude that God wants to free us from to really bear to walk in, in fullness that He has for us. That's really the Jesus. That's the real Jesus. That's the real Jesus. Jesus walked on this earth as a man with needs just like we have. And he doesn't want us to be ashamed of ourselves when we have needs. He wants us to be able to embrace him in that moment. Amen. Amen. So let's just stand up. Have mercy on y'all, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. hmm. So what she was saying was Becky said, Becky told Pam, Pam told me, that you if you don't if you don't conf- you don't have the truth about yourself. In other words, if you got cancer and you're saying I I don't have cancer, that's crazy. I got cancer. That's what you say. I got it. It's the truth about it. I'm confronting this truth in me. But I'm not giving in to that. I'm believing in something greater. But I'm not going to go around lying that I'm okay when I'm not okay. I'm going to live in truth. Because when I get in truth, I can get free. If I don't live in truth, I empower the enemy in my life and I stay bound by whatever's binding me. And so when you have a need in your life, no matter whether it's a sickness, a financial, a personal, whatever, relational, get truthful. Get truthful with God. Get truthful with somebody you can talk to and start getting free from whatever's holding you back. And once you do, don't be an insecure thing that's so afraid about what everybody else is going to think, oh, that's not, she ain't no great Christian. Well, look around at the people in this room that have glasses on. Okay? Oh, we, yeah, you believe in divine. I've been praying for God to heal my eyes for 20 years. I'm going to still keep praying, still believe He will, but I'm wearing glasses today because I need glasses. And so I believe, I believe we can empower things with our words if we just go on and just talk about it constantly. But I also, also believe we, we can empower the enemy when we don't tell the truth and have the truth. And God just wants to liberate us from all this hogwash and all this religious stuff that people get into. And just get free. And let God do something in your life. And let Him bring you to a place where we could be like Paul. Well, we know how to be beat down, and we know how to be blessed. We can do both because we got Christ working in our lives. We're free in Christ, and we can walk in Christ, and we don't have to be ashamed. We don't have to feel bad about anything because we are who He says we are, period. And our circumstances, even though our circumstances are going to shape us, but they do not have to define us. Only He has a right to define us. He will use circumstances to mold you and shape you, but that doesn't have to be the referendum on you. When you were doing so great, you thought you were doing it. Every once in a while, I let you not do great and find out it was Him. That's a good day, really. Yeah. So, Amen. Father, we just praise You this morning. Lord, we praise You this morning. That Jesus was real. Praise you that Jesus didn't walk around in the Bible just saying a bunch of crazy stuff. Lord, but when he was thirsty, he said, I'm thirsty. When he was hungry, he said, I'm hungry. When he was tired, he said, I'm tired. But Lord, I also thank you when he spoke to that storm, it stopped. And when he spoke to that, that water, it turned to wine. I'm thinking that when Jesus opened his mouth, what came out was Right. And Lord, we have that treasure in us today. Every one of us in this room who knows Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus today, you can get saved. You can get that treasure in you. Because the treasure lives in us. But God wants to set you free. He wants to liberate His family into the glorious truth and the glorious abundant life that He's called for us. And He wants to make us secure that no matter what's happening in our lives, we won't have to feel weird about it. We won't have to feel like failures. We won't have to feel this, feel that. But we can know who we are. That we're glorious sons and daughters. And although our circumstances may be against us, that doesn't take away from who we really are. So, Lord, I just pray that. Pray that for everybody in the room. That we would be able to get in this time that where you have stripped many of us down. And, Lord, I am not the only one in this room who's, not, who's felt humiliated. I, I know there's others, like Dean, when he wrote in his book, and different ones who have said to me, we've felt humiliated, we felt like failures, Lord. But today, Lord, we're saying, get rid of that root of insecurity in us. Get rid of that root of insecurity in us, Lord. We just ask you to do that. So Thank you, Holy Spirit. Help us to be the most secure people in the world, Lord. Not in ourselves, but in Christ. Lord, I pray for people this morning. There's people in this room that need you to get in their boat. How many people need God to get in their boat? (laughs) Lord, I, I need you in my boat. I need you in my personal boat, Lord. Lord, we need you in this church boat too. But if we could get a bunch of people that you were in their personal boat, we'd have you in this church, Lord. So, Father, I pray for every person in this room that you would get in their boat. Just get in their boat, whatever their thing is. If it's money, if it's health, if it's emotions, whatever it may be, Lord. If it's family relationships, whatever it may be, I ask you to get in their boat, Lord. Just get in their boat. Just ask them, say, Lord, get in my boat. Lord, get in my boat. Just tell them, say, Lord, I want you in my boat invite him in say take here's a boat you need somebody lord here i am here's my little boat lord get in there with has got a boat got a hole in it he needs the lord to get in there and stick that old white foot in there and plug up that hole with his toe thank you lord all right so we want to get the ministry team up here to pray for people if anybody would like prayer for healing